Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Futures Focus, a podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500. My name, Alex Sanchez. With me today, I actually have my normal co-host, David Gasper, and another special guest, Nate Eckert. He is our Dodgers correspondent, but he isn't here to talk just Dodgers. Nate was actually lucky enough to get a first-hand experience at the recent MLB amateur draft, and so we wanted to have him on to get what that process is like, because I don't know about you, David, but I see it on TV. I really don't know what it's like really behind the scenes. I see the guys talking on MLB Network. I see them making crazy comparisons, um, but I don't know what it's like to actually be there. So having Nate on is going to give us a lot of uh, insider info and perhaps something that he can give us for that crazy first-year player draft uh, that's going to be probably coming up uh, in your Dynasty Leagues. And, of course, today is August 2nd. We're just a few hours after the trade deadline. So we have all the trades to go over, where the prospects went. We will talk about perhaps the trade of the century, at least in the 21st <laughs> century. Um, I don't think there's been a bigger one than that. That's, of course, the Juan Soto trade. We're going to talk about all of that. But first, let me welcome my boys in here. David, how you doing? I've been better. I've been better, Alex. It's... Uh... <laughs> It's been a rough uh, 24 hours, 48 hours or so here in uh, Brewer Land. So, uh, I mean, we'll get more on that uh, later because of, you know, the trades. But I have been better. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and, uh, Nate, how's it going over there in uh, La La Land? La La Land? La La Land is good, man. Everything is bright and sunny as usual. Uh, just excited Must be nice. to talk. Yeah, <laughs> it can't be that bad wherever you are, Alex. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm just, uh, you know, an hour or so away Hop, from skipping LA a here. So, yeah, uh, my new yeah. Uh, new crib here by the beach. Went to the beach today. In fact, that's where uh, all that I got the phone vibrating the whole time. Saw my San Diego Padres trade literally everybody from the farm system. So that will be fun <laughs> when we come up and rank for the offseason. I will have to uh, learn some new prospects and fall in love with some more uh, Hudson heads of the world and make them sound like they're good, but it, they're not. I mean, uh, system's awful now, but we will, we will get into the hat in a second. It might be the worst in the big leagues. Now. I mean, it's not even, not even crazy. Okay. Um, but Nate, um, yeah. thanks for coming on. Tell us all about this draft. Uh, just, just give us kind of a summary of your day. Yeah. You know, don't go into too crazy details. Oh, I have some questions and David does as well to ask you, but sure. just give us like that when you kind of got there, what the experience is like, what were you expecting and, and sort of just give us that lowdown on, uh, yeah. on draft day. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it was, <laughs> I've watched it. I've watched it many times for as, pretty much as long as they've been televising it. And I really had no idea what to expect either, because it seems like it gets better and better as the years go on. And uh, I got to say, fellas, just being there in downtown L.A., it was at uh, L.A. Live, which is like right in the heart by Staples and ESPN is down there. And you're really walking in. It, you just felt like this is it. Like this is the show and this is what these kids have been working forever 
four. Um, and walking in to my left, I saw the players lounge and whoever did the design portion of the stage and the studio and all of that, they did an incredible job making it feel like it was, you know, the place to be. They had these crescent, like half crescent moon shaped white leather couches all set up for the players. And then there was the podium and uh, the giant draft board right behind the podium. And then to my right, uh, that was to my left. I'm initially just walking in, boom, it's like right out, right there. And then to my right uh, were the uh, extended family portion seating of the area, uh, like your uh, cousins and brother, you know, half siblings or whatever that were there to watch you get drafted. And then the last two rows of the crowd were the press rows. And um, and then there was a press tent and that sat right in between both the ESPN broadcast and the MLB broadcast. So I went back to the tent uh, hoping to find my my name card and uh, I couldn't find it at first. So that was a bit that that shook me up a little bit <laughs> to not have a seat. And uh, so I had to uh, I had to navigate my way through. Uh, asking different people because everybody's moving. The whole place was just buzzing like a beehive. Everybody's on their way to go do something, talk to someone, um, you name it. It was just chaos. And this was five minutes before the first draft pick was about to be on the clock. They hadn't started the broadcast or anything. So I'm trying to track down where to sit. I find the uh, media coordinator and I explain to him I can't find my card. And he says, oh, no problem, no problem. He walks me over to the tent and he lets me sit in Yahoo's spot. So I said, okay, uh, are you not expecting them? And he said, no, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. And uh, of course they showed up two minutes later. And, uh, and so then Yahoo and I were discussing where to sit and, uh, and they said, well, why don't you just sit here? And it was the only open spot available. And I said, okay. And I looked at the, the name card. It said USA Today on it. And I said, who sits here? And uh, the guy that was that was there for the AP, the Associated Press, he was sitting right next to that spot. And he turned around and he said, that's Bob Nightingale's spot. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. He's like the one of the biggest names that I could even imagine hearing just being there, you know, because these are all national teams, right? I mean, like the, the, the teams of broadcast, or uh, the teams of uh, uh, the media, they had photographers, they had statisticians, they had like everyone that was there represented had like a, a big team. And uh, there was just one spot for ES, I mean, for USA Today, and it was Bob Nightingale's. And so everyone that I'm standing around now at this position, they all say, you know, just go find Bob. And, you know, uh, I doubt Bob will care. He's not, I don't think he's sitting here, you know. Yeah, just go find Bob. Go ask him, make sure that it's okay that you sit there. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll go find Bob and uh, and ask him if I could sit in his, you know, allotted seat for the rest of the draft. And so I, I literally had to Google his picture on Google Images. So I didn't <laughs> go up and introduce myself to someone like some moron, you know. And, uh, and I saw it and uh, I looked it up, got my mental image in my head, started walking down the stairs and literally the second my foot hit, you know, outside of the tent, 
Bob Nightingale was standing right in front of me. And I said, hi, Bob, I'm Nate Eckert with Prospects 1500. And he's like, oh yeah, hey, what's going on, Nate? And I said, hey, um, so long story short, I can't find my name card. And then uh, the media coordinator had me sitting in Yahoo's spot, but uh, Yahoo showed up. And, and now really, Bob, I hate to say it, but I don't have anywhere else to sit. Is it is it okay if I can sit in your spot? And he said, oh yeah, absolutely. I'm not gonna be sitting there anyway. So yeah, feel, feel free, Nate. I was like, awesome. So like, not only am I at the draft, but I just got done meeting and speaking with Bob Nightingale. And now I'm sitting in his spot in the media tent, which was like the best spot in the whole draft. Um, it, it, it was uh, pretty exciting <laughs> and not anticipated, believe me. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Bob Nightingale seems like the guy that rides in on like a motorcycle and he's just yeah, like, yeah, free. he seems like <laughs> yeah. the other ones have like are kind of nerdy, you know, like, yes, uh, yes. Pass, no, you, you know, your, your assumption is completely right. That's, <laughs> that's exactly great. the way he was and acted. All right. That, that's an awesome story. You'll, you'll remember that forever, but yeah, um, I'm sure some of the listeners want to get some of the inside scoops on yeah. uh, some of the guys that got drafted. So do you have anything for us that might help us with the, a player yeah. that impressed you that maybe uh, when you saw them live or you talked yeah, to anybody, how, how many people did you actually talk to players wise? I um, spoke to Tamar Johnson. Um, he, he was coming out of the uh, ESPN interview tent and he was with his entourage and I just hollered out, you know, tomorrow. And he turned around and I gave him this big thumbs up and he gave it back to me. And I said, congratulations, man, you really deserve it. And he said, thank you. But you could just see it in his face, you know, like, I think maybe he was just realizing what had happened, you know, because, you know, after they're drafted, they're in this like typhoon of different places to go speak and talk to people. And, it was almost as if I was the first, like, hey, Tamar kind of snapped him out of it for a second because I don't think he expected what I was about to say. And then I said it. You could tell it it was like this moment of clarity or something. It was bizarre. It was really cool. <laughs> but uh, I saw Carl Crawford because his son, yeah. Justin Crawford, was drafted by the Phillies, I believe. Um, and uh, he's a... He takes after his dad. He's a five-tool-ish uh, outfielder. And I came down. I saw Carl Crawford and Justin Crawford and his team walk over to the ESPN tent. And uh, I, Carl Crawford, who was in attendance there, of course, you know, supporting his son, longtime MLB great. Um, he's just standing outside, like, looking at his phone. And I thought to myself, well, here's your chance. So I went straight up to him. I introduced myself again. Hey, uh, I'm Nate Eckert with Prospects 1500. He's like, oh, yeah, hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> it's the beautiful thing about Hollywood is that when you introduce yourself, it's like, oh, yeah, hey, what's going on, man? Nice to meet you. Instead of like, who? Huh? You know, but uh, it was uh, that was that was a uh, a, a nice surprise. So anyway. I, uh, I asked him which draft was more exciting for him uh, because he was also a highly sought after prospect. And he was like, man, uh, it's got to be my son's because, you know, look at this place. It's incredible. And I said, yeah, it really is. And he said, um, you know, we didn't have any of this stuff. I don't even think my draft was televised. And 
And I said, I don't think it was either. And, and then his son came out, Justin, and I said, congratulations. And then his dad introduced me to him and I shook hands with Justin and I'm six, five and something like almost six, six. And, uh, and we met more or less eye to eye. It wasn't like directly eye to eye, but it was close enough. And he was only like 18. And I know that all of his grades are, uh, right now, I think his hit tool is like 50, 55 and his power is like uh, 60 and fielding and speed. He projects a lot like his dad, but with more power, maybe not as good of a hit tool, like right out of the gate. But, um, anyway, he uh he impressed me as far as his size was concerned because i was standing right next to the kid and on film he looks smaller and shorter than he actually was in real life and uh i thought that was very interesting i didn't realize you were so tall <laughs> and i got yeah. two and david is that's his, it's your height he's up in your yeah head. a little bit shorter but still yeah you guys are freaks. Um, ah. We're free. <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, um, watching Tamar Johnson's interview and uh, kind of impressed me the most out of all of them. I mean, there's nothing to take away from this. Those kids are 18, 19 years old and, and on national television for the first time. But how well-spoken and how cool Tamar Johnson sounded almost made yeah. me bump them up the rankings a little bit. So Absolutely. Sounds like Crawford also kind of did that to you as well, just kind of very polished and ready to go. And, you know, so that means a little bit because MLB is the real thing. That's the show. And, and if you're intimidated at all, you know, maybe that's why we're seeing these second generation mm-hmm. players like the Bichettes and the Guerreros just have immediate success because it's not too big for them. They've seen it their whole right. life. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've been I've been saying that for years now, ever since uh, Bichette and Guerrero. Uh, you know, it, these kids have an other, like this other level of confidence that they play with. And it's because they, they literally grew up on the same fields, you know, sometimes. So, you know, you can't, you can't simulate that type of experience for people who don't have it, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, David, do you have any questions about the draft for, uh, before Nate? Um, not off the top of my head, I'm, I'm too wrapped up with trade deadline stuff to even remember <laughs> the draft. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. A lot of people are interested in that too, but Fair enough. I, it's just so cool. I, I'm just, I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around what the, what it was like. So you're sitting there, I'll, I'm assuming a lot in between the picks because there's about four or five minutes. So what's, what are you doing? Did you s- sit in Nightingale's seat the whole time? Are you uh yeah getting information so, before like what's what's it like in between the picks well i was i was trying my very best to just you know live tweet and and try and keep the the followers uh you know kept up if they weren't watching the draft or whatever not saying my two cents but uh because i didn't have my own photography team or anything like that i had i had to uh i had to take the photographs myself uh, I had to do the research myself, you know, yada, yada. Uh, a lot of the rest, the, the rest of the lot that was in the media tent, um, they, uh, they were more or less just hanging out, you know, watching the draft. But, um, 
because they had other people going and doing stuff for them. But I was like the one man show running around with my iPad, you know, like kneeling in front of the uh, photography stand, <laughs> trying not to get in anybody's way of a shot. And uh, <clears throat> that was that was interesting. But I think more so than anything that I took away from the draft was it was and I'll, I'm going to write about I'm writing about this now in, in an article I'm going to put out about it so I can get a bit more detail and um it you wonder why we have these celebratory type like pageantry events for these kids and i think it's really important that we do because it gives other kids who are you know much younger a chance to see what it's like to really finally make it and then also for me at least i've never been in an area where you can watch more people's dreams come true like right in front of you you know real time real life not through a a filter on television it just to be there and to feel that electricity it was palpable and um that is why i think it's a a great idea that mlb continues to up the ante on on their celebratory pageantry type things like this um because you yeah. think to yourself, ah, I don't know if it's all that important, but it is because of exactly that. Yeah. I mean, it never gets old seeing uh, the, re- especially at home when they have, you know, 20, 50, 60 people <laughs> yeah. around them, seeing them mm-hmm. just jump up. I mean, they know they're getting drafted. They probably even know who's drafting them, but even then to hear the name, you see them go crazy. Um, yeah. And it's just a shame that with the NFL, uh, NFL draft, NBA draft, you get to see these guys like in a few months performing yeah. for the big squad and we're yeah you know with baseball it is what it is these these guys aren't jumping up and most of them we won't see for a couple of years and of course the hit rate in the first round is atrocious compared to the other yeah. sports just making it <laughs> yeah. not even like being good but just making it into the pros uh, into the major league level so i mean there's only so much you can do to make it a national event but it doesn't matter if you're getting drafted and, and you're on mlb network and you're on espn and, and people like bob nightingale and USA Today and AP <laughs> are there. That's that's something pretty special. And even if you never make it, right, it's still right. still a cool thing for them to experience. Yeah, you get that bonus money, and you're there for the whole, you know, just to see your name, you know, on the screen and those bright lights. I mean, I've been to different events and such, but this one was different, and I think it had to do mostly with that that realization that everything that they gone through and the families too you know these kids start national circuits at 14 which is just crazy <laughs> and they and their parents pay for all this stuff and they take them to all these different things so to have something like this to look back on i mean it's priceless yeah. well nate really appreciate you going out there look out for that article i uh i released an article too about my future game experience you're doing the same with the uh, draft night very very cool to see what you thought about it and uh, maybe go in a little bit more detail, but uh, Hey, Nate, will you stick around? Talk about some of yeah. the trade deadline stuff with me Absolutely. and David. Beautiful. All right. Well, we'll let's take a little break. We'll recoup because we got to basically gather our thoughts. And once we go, we're going to go, we're going to try to hit as uh, all of the deals and see what we think of. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this futures focus, David Gasper, Nate Eckert, myself, Alex Sanchez. We'll be right back.
Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. back here futures focus alex sanchez my name david gasper my co-host and special guest nate eckert our dodgers correspondent we have a bunch of this is one of the most exciting days of the year for baseball uh you can have two sides of the coin as we're going to experience with david and myself uh as a braves fan actually i had two coins of the myself just individually because as a braves fan it was a fantastic day we have fixed uh, a lot of the holes that were, were remaining on our already very, very good team uh, without giving away much in terms of prospect capital. That was fantastic. On the other side of the coin for myself, my Padres have now given me almost zero players to write about in the future. Um, and I get to say maybe one last thing about a couple of these guys, which I really, really like. We'll get to that big trade here right away. Um, but then you have teams like the Milwaukee Brewers over there, David that seemingly are ready to go. We're just a a couple of bats away last year. You think, okay, get a bat or two. There's plenty to go around. You could have gotten a Joey Gallo, a Michael Taylor, uh, Wilson Contreras, uh, Ian Happ, all the guys that, you know, didn't get traded or got traded for very little, not coming to Milwaukee. And then you can feel like this, which is what, David? (laughs) Depressed. (laughs) Um... (laughs) It, this trade deadline was an, an abject disaster, I think, for the Brewers. I mean, it's it started with Josh Hader getting traded. And, you know, I could I can see, you know, some of the reasons behind that. You know, the year and a half of control, him getting more and more expensive. You have Devin Williams to take over, uh, getting some value for him now. The Padres have been after Hader for years, like like for legitimately years they've been after Hader. And, you know, finally they, they were able to get a price that uh, the Brewers felt comfortable dealing, um, getting Taylor Rogers back. I mean, that's kind of a wash. I mean, it's, it's you know, closer for closer there, I guess. Uh, Denelson Lamette, who when healthy is good, but hasn't been healthy. Uh, and then two guys that I know you loved over there, Esteri Ruiz. Uh, who has been a freaking lightning on the base paths, uh, and Robert Gasser, who I really love as well, and I think he'd be great in the Brewers pitching development program. But you do that, you trade your all-star closer, your four-time all-star closer, when you're a first-place team at the deadline. That doesn't happen. That never happens. So you do that, it's like, okay, you figure they got something big coming up, you know, that Stearns has another trick up his sleeve. No! He just gets Matt Bush, trades Antoine Kelly for him, a 36-year-old who has two and a half years of arbitration left somehow. And then you way, way massively overpay for Trevor Rosenthal. You give up an outfielder 
with a near 900 OPS in high A that you just promoted double. You give him up for a guy you could have signed for nothing two weeks ago. You let the Giants sign him. He doesn't do anything for them because he's got a hamstring injury and he hasn't pitched in two years. And you trade him for for Rosenthal. You might get a month out of him. Maybe. It's it's so it it's just it's so depressingly bad and it's so depressingly bad for for the clubhouse you know the prospect side of it they pretty much added as much to their farm as they took away they traded away two prospects they got two prospects and the rest moving from the forty man roster that that's what they got they didn't really sell but they didn't really buy either so I am very upset with all that but. Yeah. You know, on the prospect side of thing, obviously, you know, the Asteria Ruiz and Robert Gasser, you know, a whole lot more than me. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking at my next, uh, you know, top 50 list here. I'm trying to figure out where should I slot these guys mm-hmm. in? I mean, they're both uh, top 10 prospects in this Brewers system, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, that that well, much yeah, I know. Well, let me talk about uh, let's let's figure out this together here. And let me just kind of give you my two cents, because I agree with what you're saying. I feel like if you made another trade for a bat or something, you could get on board with like getting basically swapping relievers and then getting a, a nice high end prospect. Exactly. But nothing else happened. I understand that part. But let I mean, we're here to talk about the prospects, right? So yes. Estery Ruiz, um, I, he wasn't close to hassle. Uh, he was still a tier two just because uh, it's taken a long time to get to this point. And he hasn't, you know, had a huge MLB debut, although I'm not really weighing that a lot. He was number three for me in my list. And Gasser clocked in at number nine on my list, which I think I'm probably higher on Gasser than a lot of other pundits might be. I have him ahead of Jackson Merrill, uh, Max Ferguson, Jarlin Susanna. We'll talk about it in a bit. So I, I feel like he's good. I don't know if he craps, uh, craps, <laughs> cracks your top 10. Um, Ruiz assuredly would. I would imagine you'd probably slot him in after Churio and after Weimer, but probably before Mitchell is what I would do. I don't know. You'd have to make that. I, I've got him currently. I've got him currently five right after Mitchell, just because Mitchell, like now that he's come back healthy, he said he hit like 400 or something. Uh, yeah. With an OPS over a thousand in Double A, and he just got the promotion to Triple A. So now that he's back and healthy, he's performing extremely well. So I'm bumping yeah. Mitchell up a little bit here. So I've got my currently I've got Ruiz slotted in at five, which makes the Freelich top five then? all outfielders behind Churio, Freelich, Weimer, Mitchell, Ruiz. Yeah, I would definitely. I mean, you don't know. Uh, it only makes sense that you're going to have your Brewers guys a little higher than my guys, and I want my guys a little bit higher. Um, but personally, I, I think Ruiz would slide in nicely at number three ahead of Mitchell and ahead of Freelich just be, just from what I've seen. And I mean, the stats were absolutely absurd that he did. Yeah, 60 fantasy, stolen bases, 60. Yeah, fantasy wise. I mean, we're talking about a skill that very few Oof, possess and Mitchell true. may have the speed, but doesn't have it on tape, you know, and game tape. Um, right. And and Freelich, I you've always been very high on him and I haven't. I haven't liked him as much, but uh, it's essentially I haven't always been point, super high on Freelich. Well, yeah, I'm just saying you have him third. Oh, well, yeah, but I mean, that's it also kind of speaks to the rest of the Brewer system, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It, okay, it, well, then if you're talking about once you dig into Ruiz, I think you're going to like him a lot more. So, yeah. but I'd like to see him in the big leagues. That's what I'd like because we yeah. clearly got no one else to help out this offense. Yeah. 
he was assigned to AAA, if I'm not mistaken, right? He was, which but is also upsetting. I'd imagine too. Um, but the point is, I think the main topic for this to uh, really drive home is that this isn't a bad trade for the Brewers in a vacuum um, to just swap those two and then have Ruiz and then have Gasser, who we didn't really talk about, who's very, very good um, and probably will make the big leagues. I mean, I had him um, in the tier two. I really like him. You said you've liked him, too. Um, oh, yeah. I, I think he'd be amazing in this Brewers development yeah. system with yeah. what they can do with pitchers. I think he's going to turn into a, a pretty, really pretty good rotation piece. Yeah. But and with, for a with a name like team, that. Yeah, yeah, that's a great name, right, Nate? But right, uh, for a competing, a competing team, though, to not do anything to get offense, it still baffles, baffles me because I, I saw that offense firsthand last season in the playoffs when I watched every single inning fail to get meaningful hits in any situation where they, if they just get literally 25% uh, hits like increase or just something in a big situation, they would have beaten the world series champs last year. And to do nothing about it is just crazy to me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's bad. It is not going over well here in Wisconsin um, at all. I mean, farm system is, is better, I guess. I mean, you moved out Antoine Kelly and, and Tristan Peters and you get Ruiz and Gasser. I mean, that, that I suppose improves the farm system, but yep. how much did you really do for uh, the big league club? And Peters, God, I mean, I had him in my top, uh, in my last update, I believe I had him at 21, but he was moving up further into my top 20 uh, when my next update was going to be coming out. And I was really liking this kid. I just saw him on Saturday, had a three hit game, couple of doubles, barrels the ball up extremely well. Uh, I really liked him and to give him up for potentially one month of Trevor Rosenthal, who hasn't pitched Oof. in two years and is a free agent at the end of the year mm. is a massive overpay and a massive misuse of, of prospect value. So let's go ahead and grade the trade because I know people always like to kind of put values on the teams because, you know, not everybody's a Brewers fan, but they want to, you know, but maybe they're a Padres fan and they want to know how their team did. So let's, I mean, we have to say that we've said it now kind of two or three times in a vacuum versus what the overall picture is for the Brewers, obviously two different things, but for the trade itself, what are you going to give the Padres and what are you going to give the Brewers, uh, David? Um, for the trade itself, I'm going to give the Brewers, um, a B plus, you know, I think they did solid for Hader. Um, you know, they did get some big league help now. I really like, you know, I, I'd like to see what Lamette can do in the Brewers system. I like Asser. I like Ruiz. Um, you know, Rogers is, you know, a adequate replacement. Um, so, I mean, for a year and a half of Hader, who's also going to be more expensive next year uh, at like probably $16 million. I, I think it's a good, good return. It's not overwhelming, um, but it's, it's something solid and you probably weren't, you know, the, the longer you held on to hater, you probably weren't going to get anything better uh, than that return right there. So uh, I'd give it a B plus for the Brewers and for the Padres. It, it's a clear a, a plus. I mean, you didn't give up any of your top, top prospects, and you got the most elite closer in the game of baseball, and you saved all those prospects to trade 
the next day for Juan Soto and Josh Bell. Yeah, I think those are pretty reasonable grades. Nate, what do you think in terms of you're kind of a non-biased person here as I'm the Padres uh-huh. guy. We have the Brewers guy. I, I kind of agree with I probably give the Brewers a little bit lower on that. I think that uh-huh. uh, Hader could have gotten a lot compared to what we saw like Luis Castillo get. And um, uh-huh. so uh, I would I, I, I think it's a definite win for the Padres. But what do you think, Nate? No, I, I agree with you, Alex. Um, you know. I feel like uh, gas, you know, I love you, brother, but this is what we do. We always look at, we always look at the, the brighter side of the, of the story when we're, when we're not only fans, you know, but we're, we're rooting for the best for these players that we're getting from other teams. So I understand that grading completely. I'd probably go with a C for the Brewers and uh, an A for the Padres. Yeah. I think we're in agreement. All right, boys, we got to go faster than that. I know we're Brewers and Padres here, so that's a natural way to go. But we're going to try to fly through as many of these trades. All right, Juan Soto, we got to we got to talk this trade. <laughs> this does <laughs> kind of lead us nicely into there because, like you said, David, the trade didn't involve any of the guys that were probably needed to pull in Juan Soto. Um, and it, I mean, it's the biggest trade that we've ever seen in probably in our lifetimes, right, gentlemen? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So the Soto trade is ginormous. It's, uh, <laughs> you probably know what it is already, but just in case you've been living under a rock, the Padres acquired Juan Soto, 23 year old Juan Soto, by the way, and then free agent to be Josh Bell in exchange for Luke Voigt. Of course, everybody, that's the centerpiece. But also, uh, they <laughs> threw in CJ Abrams, Mackenzie Gore. Outfielder James Wood, Robert Hassel III, and right-hander Jarlin Susanna, um, which if you go to my uh, updated rankings, um, that's pretty much everybody that was good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. as, simple, as simple as that can Do be. Do you have 50 players left, man, to, to rank? <laughs> it was there. Uh, not not quite. But, um, but on my rankings, I had Abrams at number one, Hassel at number two. James Wood at number four, and Susanna I had at uh, number 14, by the way. So it's not, I mean, some people are going to see that Jarlin, Susanna, and think, uh, well, that's just a throw-in guy. This guy is not a throw-in guy. He is like Yuri Perez type of potential at the, oh, an age wow. where he... Oh, that's a comp. Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of like, you don't see 18-year-olds do what he does. It's such a repeatable delivery. It's a huge body. It's a huge frame, and he's pumping 98 with ease late in games. I mean, it's, it, he's got a ways to go, but he is not a nobody. And I'm already looking at my rankings and be like, you know what, if I was being honest, I'd probably take him ahead of uh, Montesino and Ferguson. He's probably close to top 10 um, for the system. So it's a huge, huge haul, but, but you are <laughs> getting Juan Soto and you're not getting 27, 28, 29 year old Juan Soto, but you're getting 23 year old Juan Soto. <laughs> And, and Josh uh, Bell. And Josh Bell. I'll switch hitting. And Josh Bell. So um, I can give you some lowdown on the Padres prospects, but I want to hear your thoughts on uh, what de- went down with this. I want to start with Nate, too, as the Dodger guy, what your <laughs> thoughts are in terms of Dodger. Land. Um, I had a Dodger uh, friend try to convince me that it was uh, they're screwing themselves over the Padres. I beg oh to differ, but yeah what are your thoughts about the deal and uh, go ahead and give a grade when you're done as yeah. well with your, your analysis i'll give you my grade the grade is a a all day 
A for both teams because the Nats went into the deadline with really no prospects. I mean, off the top of my head, uh, we're talking about, and they've come out of the deadline now with what we were just saying was basically the top, uh, what, two third, no, top third of your Padres uh, top prospects list. So that's an A for the, for the Nats and it's an A for uh, the Padres. They went in, they knew what they wanted and, uh, and they, they paid to get them. And yes, it was, it was a haul, but if you're the Nats, I mean, you've got a 23 year old Juan Soto on your, on your hands. What else are you going to ask for? You know, he's uh, how about Fernando Tatis Jr. You haven't played with him all year. You're <laughs> getting him back yeah. too. Crazy. But now he's coming back. Tatis is coming back. So it's a, that's even more that's what I'm of saying, a reason yeah. for an A on both sides, or especially for the Padres now. And the Dodgers, uh, yeah, as a Dodger fan and as uh, their representative, I can't say that I'm happy about either trade, really, the, the hater one or the Soto one, trust me. And Josh Bell. I mean, that's that's going to be our hashtag for this episode. And Josh Bell. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's an A on both sides. Great job from both uh, GMs making it work. I mean, I can't believe who the Nats got out of that deal. Isn't Wasn't Gore part of the deal as well? Or yeah, I said Gore, didn't I? Yep, you did. Yep. Oh, okay. Sorry. I didn't hear that. He's just um, no yeah. longer on the prospect list. Yes. Right, yeah, yeah, to- yeah totally. Um, yeah, James Wood, Robert Hassel third, and C.J. Abrams. I mean, my goodness gracious. And Jarlin, who is uh, a comp with Yuri Perez. So uh, excellent, excellent haul from both sides. Good, good for them. This is what the trade deadline is for. One non-contending team, one contending team. And they both improved their rosters tenfold. Yeah. David, what do you think? Is it an A for both sides? I think it's definitely an A for the San Diego Padres. I mean, yes, you did essentially decimate the top of your farm system, but you get Juan Soto. Um, You're going all in, and if there's anyone who can help you make the postseason and uh, win a World Series, it's going to be Juan Soto. Uh, but I'm going to go, you know, maybe a little bit lower, maybe an A minus uh, or B plus there for the Nationals, simply because I feel like the prospects they got back, uh, the, the players they got back should have been for Soto alone. And I feel like with Josh mm-hmm. Bell thrown in there, Josh Bell could have, you know, fetched, you know, something else in a different trade elsewhere, uh, gotten you another couple of prospects. Um, so I feel like it, you know, they, they kind of packaged those two when they really didn't need to. Um, and you know, the, the Abrams, Hassel, Gore, Wood, like that could have gotten like, you could have gotten that for, for Soto alone. And everyone been like, you know what, that's, that's great. That sounds about right. But throwing Bell in there as well, it feels like, eh, maybe they should have picked up an extra prospect or two in that. There's no prospects left. Um, (laughs) That's that's why I'm saying like the Nationals should have held him out of it and traded him elsewhere. uh, Brewers, excuse me. uh, And, you know, gotten gotten someone from there. 
Yeah, they did this last year, and I I didn't get it last year. I think we even talked about it. Like, yeah, when they traded Scherzer Turner and Scherzer, Scherzer together. It's like, why? They gotten mm-hmm. more from other teams. Um, here's my thoughts, okay? It's an A-plus for the Padres. Um, it's Here's a very specific grade. It's an A, a straight A in terms of the hall, <laughs> but it's an F for the fact that you traded Juan Soto in the first place. I just don't yeah. believe in trading a generational hitter like Juan Soto when you haven't even gotten his peak years yet. Now, I, I get it, right? The Nationals are probably not competing anytime soon, but you do everything you can. And I feel like, you know, two more years, maybe you can work out that contract. I mean, they were willing to go to 440 million over 15 years. Okay. So maybe you can figure out something, maybe the the sale of the team gets finalized or whatever. And then worst case, you trade them in a year or two and you're still going to get a big haul for them at that point. I, I just think you keep one Soto. <laughs> That's just my opinion. And it's opinion of many major league teams because we don't see 23 year old no future hall of famers no. and he was literally called a future hall of famer on mlb network this morning when i was watching which i i still i don't agree with because he's 23 but he's he getting ted williams count all the time ted williams future hall of <laughs> it, and it's not like and the skills are so um age proof right he, you're thinking, oh, 246, this guy is having an off year. But it's a 408 on-base percentage. Um, and he was, what, 500 in the month of July in terms of on-base percentage or something insane, right? It was, yeah, 464. With, with the Nationals, by the way, who haven't had a and, Yeah, no need to. They won the, Super, like the World Series two, three years ago. <laughs> Home run derby champ at 23. I mean, you just don't trade the guy. So the haul they got back is probably the best they got. I mean, we can compare it to the Cardinals offer, which – they apparently were refusing to do Jordan Walker and Dylan Carlson, which is, I can't <laughs> believe that to be the case. I feel like hey, the Nationals. Yeah. Huh? Remember back in the day, back when uh, the Marlins were selling off Miguel Cabrera, the only reason the Cardinals didn't get Miggy was because they didn't want to include Colby Rasmus. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good old Colby Rasmus. Yeah. Yikes. Totally better Yikes. than Miggy. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, and, and I think Mason Wynn was in there, Lee Retour. I mean, I feel like the Padres deal is better, even if you include Walker and Carlson. Um, of course, they got Bell back, too. I don't know. But anyway, and then the Dodgers, I mean, I, I didn't see an exact idea. I just guesses. But it seemed like Pahays and uh, Bobby Miller and Gavin Lux and those types. So very similar. I mean, Lux and Abrams are almost identical in terms of value, I would imagine, at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And Bobby Miller and, and Robert Hassel are probably very close real life. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have Hassel a hundred times in fantasy over, over Miller, but that's a different thing. Um, right. And then hey, you know, hey, so it's it's probably slightly lower. Although the Dodgers probably can absorb like a Corbin contract, which I'm shocked that Corbin isn't a part of this somehow, some way, or dealt in somehow, <laughs> some way as well. Um, you <laughs> okay. feel like you have Juan Soto, you could find a way to shed that contract um, and not have to give up Josh Bell, but whatever. So <laughs> you just, you just want to do that so that you can keep James Wood. Right. That's why, because if they throw, That's if it. they throw Corbin in there, you probably get to keep Wood. Yeah. Well, it's not that, I mean, or Hassell or whoever, whoever you like the most. Yeah. But it's just shocking to me that that <laughs> they couldn't like negotiate that, which is why like, just don't trade them. You have the off season. You have next year. You're still getting a huge haul for a, a Juan Soto with a year and a half remaining, as opposed to two years, two and a half years remaining. But 
at least he's out of the National League East, so that's cool. And uh, yeah, the Padres, we got a Tatis. So here's who you're adding to a team that's already like one of the you know second wild card spot. You're adding a Tatis who hasn't played a single game. You're adding a Juan Soto who hasn't played a single game for them. You're adding Josh Hader. You're adding Josh Bell. Josh Bell. You're going to be adding a couple other guys we're going to talk about here in a second in Brandon Drury. Um, and uh, who else did they get? They got somebody else, right? We'll get to that. Um, but all these guys. Uh, oh, the the catcher they got Gallagher. Uh, now add Joe Musgrove extension and a Musgrove extension, fantastic stuff. So if you're a Padres fan, you have to be very very happy about this. Um, we can talk about that Padres trade and the it was very uh, Brandon Drury for Victor Acosta. Literally the one guy like I would have been if I ended this day they were like okay I trade all at least I can put Victor Acosta <laughs> number one. That's kind of cool. Uh, I've always liked him. I've been very high on him. And now let's get him away for Brandon Jury, a free agent to be, although he has, you know, 20 plus home runs already. Um, that one out of all the deals might be the one that comes back in Hanson. Because even if Hassel and Abrams and Wood hit all their potential, you still got Soto. But uh-huh. if Victor Acosta reaches his potential and you lose Brandon, and all you got is a half a season of Brandon Jury, I feel like, oof. oof. That's, that's the risk. Speaking of, I, I, we got to talk about the Reds. Yes, Don't we? They the they have completely remade their farm system over this oh trade my. deadline. Amen. Noel V. Marte, Edwin Arroyo, uh, Levi Stout. They got Victor Acosta from the yep. Twins. Christian S- Encarnacion Strand. Uh, Spencer Steer. Uh, who else do they get in here? Steve Hajar. I mean, they have completely remade this this farm system. Um, and it is it is insane what they've been able to do. And they have gotten very good hauls for all the trades that they've made. My gosh. Let's talk about that, Luis Castillo, and grade that one really quickly. What are your thoughts on uh, on that trade, Nate? Oh, see, I'm also a Mariners fan because I grew up in Seattle. So the Castillo trade was very close, near and dear to my heart. Uh, I'm about as big of a Noel V. Marte supporter as there, as there is out there. And uh, also, let's not forget that earlier this year, or no, I'm sorry, I think it was last year, maybe in the offseason, uh, the Mariners traded to the Reds Connor Phillips and uh, Brandon Williamson as well, two other yes. really great arms. Really um, and I can't even remember who the, who the M's got back in that deal. So, um, I mean. Winker, right? Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Good call. Um. So, yeah, the Reds have completely redone their um, their uh, system, and it's looking like brighter days are straight ahead for for the Reds. They, they get an A plus because of the upside that they're getting out of uh, Marte, Arroyo, who's, I mean, every day he just continually hits the ball. And gets better and bigger, stronger, faster, smarter. Um, Stout was what the Mariners number five overall. Uh, I mean, Mariners number five prospect on MLB.com. Um, and who was who's the other one I'm missing? I can't even that I can't think of. Wasn't there a fourth one to this deal? Um, maybe not. Yeah. yeah. So let's go over the deal. It was officially Edwin. Arroyo, Andrew Moore, Levi Stout, and Noel oh. Marte for Luis Castile and Ryan Divish. Yeah. Coming back. And, Ryan uh, Divish hit was the reporter. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. 
<laughs> just Luis Castro. I was like, I don't know much about him. Hopefully these guys do, but that's because he's not a player. Right? <laughs> he's a Mariners reporter. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. yeah yeah just uh just Castillo. Divish excluded, and it's uh Brandon Moore, been a good correct? Um, he uh is apparently uh throwing 98 100 mile an hour heaters as their projected closer also so i mean all of that for luis castillo who is an ace for the right team and uh i think i think robbie ray still counts as their ace right now with castillo not not this year though ray's been terrible well no not this year but he is the um, reigning Cy Young, and he did add that two seam to his arsenal, which has worked out pretty well for him since he changed that. But anyway, it's an A for the Reds, and it's a, a D plus for the Mariners. Uh, it's just to go over these rankings. I mean, Noelle Marte is the number one ranking uh, on prospects uh, on our on our site for the Mariners, and he's probably a top uh, 25 guy for most. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd soured a little bit on him just because he seems so far away. But, uh, I mean, soured is not the right word because he's still a top, top 20, 30 guy. Edward Nawario was number four um, as an 18-year-old in Tier 2. Levi Stout, number six, as uh, also as Tier 2. Uh, he is 24. He's probably big league ready. We might even see him this year uh-huh. if you need a flyer on a guy. He's probably available in a dynasty league in, in, the, in you know, 50% uh, chance. I would go check him out. And uh, then he had Andrew Moore all the way down at 35 as a 22-year-old in single A. So I agree. I don't know if it's that much of a disaster for the Mariners because it does give them the, the things that they need to be successful in the postseason. So if this turns out and you have, you know, Robbie Ray and Kirby and then Castillo and then, um, oh, God, who's the other guy up there? Hancock and uh, Gilbert. That's the one. Uh, I mean, that's quite a rotation for the playoffs with a, a pretty good offense of, you know, Julio and if Winker can bounce back. So I don't know if it's that bad. I'd probably give it a C, but man, definitely an A plus for the Reds. They had a, a fantastic deadline. Um, their system might be a top three in all of baseball type of system now, David. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say it's it's got to be up there now. I mean, it, it's absolutely insane what they've been able to, to pull off. I mean, the Castillo trade was an absolute A plus for the Reds. I mean, they completely set the market there for, for starting pitching and really for everything else. I mean, three of the Mariners top five prospects and the Mariners have a good good system, very highly rated system. I mean, Marte and Arroyo and Stout, like, I mean, that is, that is an insane get for, for Luis Castillo. So I am as a fan of a, different nl central team i am slightly <laughs> upset at this development but but just looking at this red system um they are uh they are definitely well positioned for the future but as someone who has seen the reds plenty of times over the years <laughs> don't underestimate their ability to completely screw this up <laughs> it's it's fun to think that the chances of this happening where both Marte and Ellie De La Cruz hit their ceiling is low, but the chances of one of those two guys hitting their ceiling is probably 50-50, which is really exciting. Um, and of course, there's a chance that neither of them make it. Ellie has a lot of you know ways that he can 
But then maybe you could turn on to Arroyo, or you could go to Victor Acosta, or you could go to Jose Torres, you could go to Ricardo Cabrera. Plenty of options at shortstop. Man, that was, yeah. You know what's interesting about that, too, is that you said that they set the market, but we didn't really see top-end pitching go after that. (laughs) I feel like if you you had a top-end pitcher... Now, I don't know how many were actually available. For Oakland, it was Montes. But, yeah, so, uh, I mean, that was the guy. And, and that, that was a, we could we could get into that one next. But we didn't see a lot of high-end starters get dealt. Um, and it's probably because, hey, you look at the, what the Reds got. We're going to need something similar to that. And <laughs> yeah, no nope. A lot of people right, didn't have go, that. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to have. Let's go crazy here and, and kind of speed this up. Uh, we have about... Uh, 15 minutes or so that I would like to try to keep this. Uh, I know it's you know, a very special episode. If we have to do a part two, we can, but just really quickly without giving a lot of details, just kind of your mm-hmm. thoughts uh, on some of these trades we go out over. I'll, I'll handle this one. It's the Braves get Rysel and Glacius in exchange for Tucker Davidson and uh, Uber prospect, Jeffy, Jesse Chavez. Um, and I say that it's sarcasm. <laughs> not sure why the angels wanted Jesse Chavez back. But uh, Tucker Davidson obviously is the get for the Braves, uh, for the Angels, excuse me. I, I think the Angels uh, probably could have gotten a bit more for this. <laughs> I, I don't know what they want in Chavez. It's a, a very good get for the Braves. I'd give the Braves uh, an A-plus for this, and the Angels can get a C-minus. What do you guys think? Any major disagreements? No, I like it. Whit Merrifield, who uh, is unvaccinated, uh, will be going <laughs> To the Blue Jays? Wait, what? How is this no. possible? So I guess he's getting his vaccination now. Oh, I didn't wow. realize that until I just kind of put this together. Uh, so uh, he must be, right? I mean, that's, that's no chance. Yeah. Um, but the, the return return back is uh, Max Castillo and Samad Taylor. Samad Taylor had a little bit of steam early on the season. Hasn't really put much together here. I think the Blue Jays getting wit, although it's not really much of a need. And... Uh, I suppose if he, he doesn't get the vaccination, then it's for nothing. But I, I would give this one a, a, a B- minus for the Blue Jays and uh, a, probably a C for the Royals. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, that sounds about right. I have some odd in uh, in in our uh, Dynasty League, the Sal Dynasty. Um, it is uh, a little bit concerning that he's going now to the Royals. I feel like sometimes bats go there to die. Um, and up the middle with, uh, Bobby Witt Jr. They, they will need a second baseman. Taylor can fill that void, but he's still a ways away. I feel like, um, and, uh, and Whit Merrifield to the Blue Jays. Cause to me, Samad was the meat of that deal. Um, let's see here. I'd say, yeah, maybe, a uh, not a very, um, exciting trade, but it's a few minus four. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of strange, especially because uh, Maryville is unvaccinated going yeah. to the Toronto Blue Jays. Just, I guess money is more important to him than his, uh, you know, whatever they usually quote as not getting it. Um, no need go. to go down the rabbit hole of uh, vaccination status. And, <laughs> but kind of what goes around comes around there with Maryville. Right? Um, a non-prospect trade that was quite interesting, I will just mention it because it's on my list here, is uh, Harrison Bader from the Cardinals to the Yankees in exchange for Jordan Montgomery. It's pretty interesting hmm. there. I don't even uh, – we don't need to talk about that, but just keep that in mind. Uh, perhaps the best starter that wasn't Montas that did get dealt was Noah Syndergaard. 
He goes from the Phillies uh, to the Phillies from the Angels in exchange for former first overall pick Mickey Moniak and outfielder Jadale Sanchez. This is much better than their Inglacius get, although I think Moniak has probably peaked. I don't know too much about Jadale Sanchez, but uh, David, give me your thoughts, and then I'll, I'll kind of look up where he was uh, ranked on the Phillies list. Yeah, I mean, Syndergaard, I mean, he was a, a one-year deal here. I mean, it's, you know, the Angels, they're like, oh, yeah, we're finally going to rebuild this rotation and, uh, you know, get some guys <laughs> to help out Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. And mm-hmm. our big guys, Noah Syndergaard, and after a half season, we're going to trade him. <laughs> so we only signed him to a one-year deal. So, yeah, yeah Moniak, I mean... At best, probably a fourth outfielder. Uh, Sanchez, I'm not, I don't know anything about him either. Maybe 45th, you can find 45th uh, on the up se- uh, midseason update, so nothing. So a tier five prospect in Sanchez. So, yeah, you're getting, you're hoping Moniac can maybe be a decent average starter with regular playing time in the outfield at best. Uh, and then Sanchez, you see what happens. But, yeah, it's just kind of getting what you can for Syndergaard as the Angels sell. Um, but, yeah. So strange. You would think that Syndergaard would get a little bit more than that. And you would imagine that the Angels could have. But <laughs> also, like, it doesn't surprise me if somebody were to say, yeah, the Angels, like, could have had this other prospect, A, over here from this team, but they preferred Moniac and Sanchez and for whatever reason, because I feel like Syndergaard, you know, for a, a, a team with everybody needs a starter in the playoffs who you don't need about, you don't care about his health for half of a season, but alas, that's what the angels got. All right. A couple of minor ones here. Um, Michael Fulmer goes from the tigers to the twins in exchange for Sawyer Gibson long. Um, that's an interesting one. I feel like Fulmer probably also could have gotten a little bit more, but I mean, these were at the very end of the deadline. So clearly they waited as long as they could. And I'm assuming that this was the best offer that they could get, but uh, the twins get a nice little pitcher in, uh, in Fulmer for a guy that was ranked. Uh, let me go here. Um, I don't know much about Sawyer Gibson long. Great name. You guys have yeah, great name. Yeah. I don't know a whole lot about him though. Ranked 26th overall um, on the Twins. So a decent get. But again, Fulmer was, is having a pretty decent season. So, um, David, yeah. quick grade on that for me. Uh, B. For both? Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, you get something for him? Yeah, they get Solid. something Solid. All right. Um. Yeah, uh, so here's the Brandon Dury for Victor Acosta. We talked about that one. Um, oh, the uh, we need to talk about the other Reds trade, I suppose. That was Tyler Molly. Is it Molly or Malley? It's Molly, right? Uh, I think it's Malley. Malley. It's Malley. 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 Okay. Um, in exchange for Spencer Steer, who uh, I was able to see at the Futures game, Christian Encarnacion Strand, and Steve Hajar. This was an interesting trade. Again, I mean, I guess you could have argued that Malley was better than Syndergaard. Um, but starting pitcher, this is a pretty steep price to pay. But again, you're getting he's got a couple needed. years of control though as well. That's a big difference, absolutely. Yeah. But these are very good prospects coming back to the Reds. I mean, I saw Spencer Steer. I uh, wasn't super impressed with him. I didn't like go out of my way to tweet about him or anything like that. He seems like a grinder type of guy. Um, big riser this year though. 
he's probably ready to go as well for the Reds if they wanted to call him up. Christian Encarnacion Strand, also a guy that kind of came out of nowhere as having a fantastic season. So if you believe in what he's been doing this season, um, you definitely got to like them. A little bit older than uh, he, you know, the levels he's been playing at, uh, we traditionally see. But uh, still quite a haul for the Reds. I think it's an easy A for the Reds. I just, what do you think about the Twins? Is it worth it for them to give up this type of capital, Nate? Uh you know, for Mally, um, it's it's a weird spot again with the Twins because um, are they, you know, are they really going to contend this year? Um, like, you know, maybe uh, making a little bit more than the playoffs or or maybe a wild court wild card spot. Mally is a good pitcher and he did take a big step forward this year. Um, I just don't know that it was, ah, screw it. I say twins did good getting Mally and, uh, but the Reds also did really well at getting those yeah. three prospects. I think it's a, a great lesson on selling high um, as steer and Kernosian yes. probably doesn't get even where close to a pitcher of Mally's status last year. And now it does. Yep. So that's, it's a good lesson on selling high, but sometimes, you know, you sell high and they, that's the reason why they're good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, another guy actually, yeah, another guy actually met at the Futures game, Logan O'Hop. Uh, it's actually O'Hoppy, by the way. Um, I learned oh. that as well. It's Logan O'Hoppy. Uh, does get dealt to the Angels again for um, Brandon Marsh. This was an hmm. interesting trade. It wasn't so much of getting rid of the uh, veteran, but uh, rather cost control outfield. The Phillies had just given them a cost control outfield in Moniac. Um, so you get a catcher for the angels. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's not a bad, like in terms of value, I think real life, obviously you're going to think it's, it's pretty equal. I think for fantasy wise, you probably want Marsh, a guy that's already been mm-hmm. somewhat successful in the big leagues over a catcher. And you know, my thoughts on catchers, but um, Ohapi was very impressive at the uh, Futures games. I mean, he was backing up first in the hot sun. You, Nate, you were there. I mean, it was oh, a hot yeah. day in L.A. It was he was warm. backing up first in an exhibition game as the catcher on, like, throws to first on ground balls. You know, it was pretty impressive and uh, very polite, very cool. I remember Gail. Um, I think we even talked about him a little bit on the podcast. Um, I definitely wrote about him in my article. So uh, a fine trade, just a, a, you don't see these often. We're a prospect for a, a yeah. very young player. So um, yeah, let's give them both A's. What do you think, David? Yeah, I like it. Um, a couple other ones here. Uh, and the Padres then decided to get rid of Eric Hosmer because Eric Hosmer had tried his last ditch effort to completely turn every single person <laughs> in San Diego against him because if you follow Padres Twitter at all, you know that they hate this guy. It was literally posting every <laughs> single misplay in the field. And now, granted, Hosmer made some very bad plays, which at first base is hard to do, but he managed yeah. to do that. Um, but he also nixed the trade, to, to, which would have been crazy if that caused Soto to go to the Dodgers. That would have been Crazy. But then he essentially forced Luke Voigt also out of San Diego. <laughs> like, what the hell, Eric? What did you oh, do, man? Um, so, obviously, no team was going to be taking Eric Hosmer and the 40-something million he has left. Well, here come so the Red Sox. They had to, you know, I didn't, I, I was at, like I said, at the beach. I didn't see how much, I don't even know if it's been announced. I just heard a good portion of it will be paid by the Padres, where they also it's, had to It's over him. half. 
Yeah, Max Ferguson and Cody uh, Corey Rogier um, in exchange for Jay Groom, who has been you know kind of a big riser this year um, for the Red Sox after kind of flaming out. I guess he's kind of I've heard that he you know got married and he's really improved his attitude and a lot of things to like there. Scott could probably tell us a lot more about him, but uh, yeah, see you later, Hosmer. Thanks for your time here. <laughs> um, but just to make sure that literally everybody that was even semi decent uh, was off of my list. Padres <laughs> did that, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I can't really grade this trade until I see just how much. Assuming it's about 75% that the Padres take, I think you had to get rid of Hosmer and you had to lose a deal. Uh, they, they probably lost this deal. I mean, Hosmer's not like, oh, God, he's pretty bad, though. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he's pretty bad. Um, how many years has he been? He's been in the league like 12, 13. Yeah. And he's never really done anything. <laughs> But anyway, I had Ferguson at 12. Um, he's not. He's OK. Um, he's he's one of those guys that was stealing like a ton of bases. But then you realize nobody picks off in low A and you're like, oh, he's done nothing else good at all. So and he doesn't look that fast. Um, I had Rogier at 34 and rising. A um, little disappointing this year, but I mean, Anyway, interesting fact. Just that's just a fun trade to talk about. Who knows? <laughs> uh, let's talk about your Dodgers here. I know we waited to kind of the end, but I just kind of went follow this list that I have here. Um, of course, you guys did Joey Gallo. Yeah, you, so you see the Padres get Juan Soto, Ooh. and you go ahead and get you know 50 home run potential <laughs> Joey Gallo. Obviously, yeah. New York not for him. Uh, I'm not sure no. going to a smaller market in LA, but I do think that the fans are probably going to be a lot nicer to Joey. Yeah. Um, they're trying their best to get Freddie Freeman to love him. So maybe yes, they can get Joey we are. But you give up Clayton Beater, which I feel like you didn't have to do. So what are your yeah, thoughts on that trade? I agree. I agree. I mean, we had other prospects in our system that, that I would have been happier giving up. Um, I know that I said uh, um, on, I think it was my first ever uh, podcast uh, with you guys um, regarding my top 50. I put I put Beater up there with his stuff, just pure stuff-wise. I said that he has a chance, if it all goes according to plan, uh, he could be one of the best closers in, in the Dodgers I've seen in a long time. And that's really saying something because Kenley Jansen and, uh, and Gagne. So I was a big Beater guy myself. Um, I'll, I'll put it this way. If Gallo does what Joey Gallo can do, and we get that for from now until the end of the playoffs, however far we go, if he can be the Joey Gallo that everybody knows is there, then it's more than worth the trade. Mm -hmm. But how probable is that of happening? Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm not a statistician as far as like uh, probabilities go, but uh, I, I 50-50 is about as good as I can get, as close yeah. as I can get. So um, I, I, I don't know how much we needed Gallo. Also, I mean, we have a lot of firepower in our roster as is. Um, I guess a, a, an extra power lefty bat since um, uh, Edwin... Uh, what was, I can't think of his name, I'm sorry. The uh, first base... Uh, first baseman prospect that had that came up and he had a lot of good power numbers but anyway um i'd say i'd say uh b and 
B back yeah. to New York. <laughs> B to B. Yeah, you had Beater at 17 overall. Um, mm-hmm. And that was that was just because uh, he hadn't taken the, the same trajectory as I thought. Like Landon Knack, for example, he was another 2020 guy. Knack, Bobby Miller, and Clayton Beater. Those were the big three from 2020. And Beater is definitely one of the the lower ones from that from that draft. So um, his trajectory hasn't exactly gone in the in the in the same uh, evolution as I thought. But um, you know, who knows what he could do with the Yanks? I I like him in the Yankee system. I bet yeah. they will turn him into a reliever yeah. and a damn good, good one. Good on the Yankees for getting something for Gallo, and it was obvious that they no longer had a need for him. But uh, let's yeah. move on. Another interesting trade is uh, the Marlins and Blue Jays got together to get a couple of relievers, Anthony Bass and Zach Pop, who've had been having good seasons. And they had get uh, the Marlins get Jordan Groshans in exchange. Pretty decent prospect, a big name. I'm sure many of you that listen to this podcast have heard of Jordan Groshans. Um, I used to like him quite a lot, just hasn't progressed to what you were hoping. But uh, definitely a, a decent project to maybe try to uh, just adjust something and unlock mm-hmm. something there. So very good get for the Marlins. And the Blue Jays get two relievers that they desperately need. They need to shore up that bullpen a little bit, and I think that goes a long way for that as well. Um, another mm-hmm. stud reliever, probably one of the best in the entire league, uh, has been Jorge Lopez, who uh, was the Orioles' closer, you know, former starter that was always you know available in your fantasy league for a 4.5 ERA and, you know, six strikeout per nine type of guy is all of a sudden the one of the best closers in the game. <laughs> and he goes to the twins in exchange. I'm going to get some of these uh, names mispronounced, I'm sure. But uh, Yenier Cano, uh, Cade Pavich, Juan Nunez, and Juan Rojas. So um, quantity over quality here, uh, David, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's what they're, uh, they're looking for here. A couple – you know, low level guys and just kind of filling out the, uh, the system. I mean, I don't really like them trading Lopez. Um, he still had a couple years of control, didn't he? Yeah, I would assume so. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I like Povich, but I mean, not that much. Uh, Orioles just kind of, confuse me as they always tend to do yeah let me get uh, those rankings here uh so cano was 28th on the list povich who i also so, do like yeah. uh, was 15th on the list nunez was not on the list and rojas was also not on the list so it's seemingly a little bit light but let's not forget that like this jorge lopez we've seen a lot of and like yeah Still not a lot, though. I mean, for what the hater demanded versus Jorge Lopez, man, <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather just give up what the Twins did for Jorge Lopez. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you do get two more years of him in arbitration, by the way. So, I was surprised to see the Orioles move off of Jorge Lopez and Trey Mancini, who we haven't got to, by the way. We were still like, not we've gone way over what I wanted. But <laughs> so, if you're still listening to this, good on you. But that's you know, thank. Thanks, MLB. This is one of the craziest deadlines ever. So Amen. Um, pretty insane. So, um, yeah, fascinating there. All right. Uh, hey, Braves here. Robbie Grossman for Chris Anglin. And uh, it's, it's 
guy on Twitter I follow, he knows his Braves quite a bit. Um, he summed it up perfectly. He's like, legit, never heard of Chris Anglin before in my life. Uh, I'm the same way. Huge Braves fan. No idea who Chris Anglin is. So that's fine for Robbie Grossman as he's going to platoon in left with Eddie Rosario, I'd imagine. They also, this is not a prospects one, but somehow managed to get Will Smith off of the team, which was a win. And then also get a decent <laughs> starter in Jake Odorizzi, which made me very excited when I saw that one. Um, Cardinals and Pirates got together. Jose Quintana and Chris Stratton. Uh, who I used to like a lot, um, never really materialized. Although in the bullpen, he's been having a decent year uh, for Johan Oviedo. Yeah, that curveball is what always attracted me. And Malcolm Nunez. So seemingly a decent trade there. Nothing to go over too much there. Uh, Reese McGuire for Jake Diekman. Again, no prospects there. Luke Weaver to the Royals in exchange for Emmanuel Rivera. Again, we don't need to talk about that one too much. Uh Tommy Pham for players to be named later for the Red Sox. I'm sure that's going to be Tristan Cassis. And then um, it's obviously not going to be. But uh, let's talk about the Trey Mancini one. That was an interesting one. I really don't know how to value three-team trades very well because they don't happen a ton in the big leagues. But it was Trey Mancini and Jaden Murray to the Astros. Seth Johnson and Chase McDermott, who uh, was a darling for a lot of people after uh, this trade went through people really trying to pump up McDermott. And then Jose Siri goes to the Rays, which scares me because the Rays probably know something about Siri that we don't. Um, but yeah, what what are the Orioles doing? And we'll kind of um, end with that. I, well, I got the Yankees one to go to. There's so many trades. Oh my gosh. Okay, so <laughs> what do you think about the Orioles? Should they have gone for it this year? Or, or is this probably the smart move in the end, Nate? Yeah, I think it's the smart move in the end. Um, like with the Mariners, I didn't think that they necessarily had to go for it this year right now um but the orioles if i didn't think that the mariners needed to go for it then i certainly didn't think that the orioles had to either not to say that they're not going to be there soon but as far as this year is concerned um yeah they're good to sell yeah um and then we have the yankees getting uh frankie montas and reliever lou trevino for ken walden chuck luis medina jp sears cooper bowman um that's a that's a pretty even trade as well. I mean, none of these uh, that we haven't gone over yet are too crazy in terms of like, oh my God, this team got ripped off. So I think it's it's very interesting to uh, probably stop there for now, and uh, we'll uh, if any of these other ones kind of catch our eye or we missed any, we have you know next week to talk about. But uh, well, uh, we're well over my allotted time, so I'm just gonna get out of here. David, <laughs> Nate, thanks for sticking with me. Nate, awesome. Uh, experience at the draft. Really appreciate you coming on. Be on the lookout for that. I'm assuming here in the next couple of days on Prospects 1500. Um, David, I'm sorry about your Brewers, but you know <laughs> that's why we it. have beer. Here's the thing. <laughs> no, that's that's why we drink so much in this state to drink away our sorrows. Nobody's beating the Padres slash Dodgers slash Braves anyway this year, so you might as well not even bother. That's all I have to say about that. Alex Sanchez, this is Futures Focus. It's a podcast brought to you by Prospects 1500. Thanks for sticking out. Hope you don't mind a little extra episode for that crazy trade deadline, but we'll be with you soon next week to talk about some more stuff. we got a lot of other things. we got updated lists to talk about. We're going to probably analyze some other trades I missed. There's so much to go over, but again, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Futures Focus is out.